Our goal as marketers is to educate our audience or entertain them or be controversial. Those are the things that are going to get you to stand out. I think in an ideal world, we would want to do all three of those things. But again, we as marketers put so much pressure on ourselves that I would really recommend focusing on one. And I think the easiest one there is to be educational around your solution, why you're different, why customers should evaluate and use your solution. So those are the things that I would focus on in terms of refining your demand gen strategy. The B2B Marketing Exchange was created with one goal in mind, to help B2B practitioners across marketing and sales be better at their jobs. Now we're bringing the insights from the stage to your ears. These are the tips and tools you need to succeed. This is the B2B Marketing Exchange Podcast. Welcome back to the B2B Marketing Exchange Podcast. I'm your host, Kelly Lindenau, and I am so excited to share that we are back with another speaker preview. Sarah Brethnatch, head of demand generation for Hunters, is on the line with me today to discuss the latest demand gen trends and share a preview of her session at the upcoming B2B sales and marketing exchange event in Boston. Sarah, thank you so much for joining us today. Before we really dive into it, can you just share a little bit more about your background for our listeners? Sure, Kelly, I'd be happy to. So my name is Sarah Brannock. I have worked for three startups in the last six years in tech. Um, so I started as a demand generation intern at the very beginning, graduated into a specialist role, then manager roles within demand generation. And now I'm leading Demand Gen at Hunters, which is a cybersecurity startup headquartered in Tel Aviv in Israel. I joined Hunters in April of 2021. We were a Series A company at that time, around 50 people, and we've grown to 170 people or so in the last year. We grew our revenue 5x last year, and we also got two rounds of funding. So it's been a really exciting time, and I'm excited to share with you some of the learnings from this time in my career and also before that will hopefully add some value to your audience. Yeah, absolutely. And we're so excited to have you on the pod just to talk about all your successes and accomplishments. And, you know, in previous conversations that we have had offline, you had mentioned that your team built a demand generation program within 12 months, which is insane. So can you just walk us through some of the steps you took for that and the successes you've seen and the major lessons that you've learned along the way? Absolutely. So before my team was established at Hunters, there were two really strong marketing people who built this foundation for operations and they had a very basic demand gen foundation which made it really easy for me to come in and kind of start from the ground up. There was no tech debt. Everything was very new and very green, which was very exciting for me. In terms of where we started, so at the beginning, the first step is to audit the current state before making changes. So this really means taking a step back so that you will be able to take two steps forward in the future. We in marketing often feel this new person energy where we're really excited to start at a new company. Um, But really what we can forget to do is take time to do the research. So as your first step, I would recommend doing research in terms of looking at the data and then quantitative research in terms of reporting, Salesforce reports, anything you have that will show you the numbers and the data within the organization. 
and then look at the qualitative research, which is talking to your early customers, talking to your employees, your salespeople, your customer success people. If there are those people within the business, by the time you start, they have a huge amount of wisdom that will help you in your marketing. After that, looking at opportunity sources. So depending on what stage you're coming in, hopefully you will have a lot of data around where the business is sourcing opportunities and you can look for patterns. Okay. You can see these are the channels that are working. This is the content that seems to be working, or you can just speak with customers. How did you hear about the company and use that in terms of your marketing research? Moving on from that, once you have a good solid foundation of research, you can move to your KPIs. So your key performance indicators, it's so important before you dive in and start doing lots of valuable marketing work, you should be asking the leaders within the business, what does success look like? What will marketing be measured on? And I would encourage you to think about pipeline, revenue, opportunity sourced, and move away from the old school traditional MQL models or lead generation, because what we're looking for is opportunities that our sales team can go and win so that we can bring on new customers. We're not just looking for contact data within our system. After that, the fourth point or the fourth thing that we did was get some quick wins underneath our belt. So what you're looking for is areas where you can quickly come in, make an impact, drive an improvement and then report that back to the business so it can really build confidence. We all know that marketing is a long game, but if there are any things that you can focus on in the early days that will really strengthen your reputation within the company, you should absolutely do those. One of the things that I did during my time was focus on the inbound demo process. So it's usually an area where there's a lot of room for improvement. So I'll share more of that information um, during my session. And then after your quick wins, analyze the website. I think the website is a great place for you to start, especially if you're working at an early stage startup, because you can look at it from an outsider's perspective. So I always tell people that your super strength when you join a company is also your super weakness. So your strength is that you come in with a completely fresh perspective. You don't have any bias towards the company. And we can often feel that that is a weakness when we start within a business because we don't know how the business works. But you can use that as your advantage by working on something like the website and creating an improvement plan. You can find all of the bugs, especially if it's an early stage startup. There won't be a huge amount of, huge number of pages, a huge amount of content yet. So you can really implement strategies for growth there. And then the final thing is to build an operations roadmap. So if you have people that work in operations, so sales ops, marketing ops, revenue ops, any of the above, you should partner up with them to understand where are the areas that the business is currently weak and where are the opportunities for improvement. So thinking about the people that are using technology, the processes that are in place, and also the tech stack, what are the solutions that you're using within your tech stack? Who is responsible for them? Are there things that you need to use that you might need to bring into the business? Or are there things that you're paying for that you're not using? So those are the six steps that we took to build a demand gen program in the first 12 months. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's truly amazing what you guys accomplished. And now you mentioned improvement a few times. So shifting gears a little bit now that 
let's say someone built a demand generation program, it's in place, what are some of the key factors they should consider when they want to refine their demand generation strategies? I think this is a question that probably trips up a lot of marketers because we're really overthinking um, areas to refine the strategy. What I would break it down to is, are you reaching the right people? Are you consistently getting in front of that audience? So are they, are they seeing your company all the time? Are they subscribing to your content? Do they keep hearing about you within their network? Maybe thinking about dark social where people make recommendations within Slack channels and other forums. And then finally, does your message resonate with them? So the way to find out is to talk to your customers, talk to them directly. Don't be afraid. We as marketers are often kind of behind the scenes and maybe afraid to speak to customers, but we absolutely shouldn't be. Speaking with sales, getting their feedback directly, listening to sales calls through Gong or Chorus or any of those solutions, and then remembering that our goal as marketers is to educate our audience or entertain them or be controversial. Those are the things that are going to get you to stand out. I think in an ideal world, we would want to do all three of those things. But again, we as marketers put so much pressure on ourselves that I would really recommend focusing on one. And I think the easiest one there is to be educational around your solution, why you're different, why customers should evaluate and use your solution. So those are the things that I would focus on in terms of refining your demand gen strategy. Perfect. And now I would like to slightly shift gears a little bit over the perspective of someone who might be starting a new role in demand generation. So what sort of advice would you give a newcomer? The biggest thing is to do a lot of research before you dive in. So ideally, this starts in the interview process, where typically, we really want to get a certain role. If you're kind of competitive in your nature, you will think, interviewing, you treat it almost like a sport, you know, you prepare, you train by running through the questions over and over again, you do research on the company, you know, you really want that role. I think the more research you can do during the interview process, the better. Find out what are the growth levers within this business that are driving the business forward. Really figure out, are they investing in marketing from a budget perspective, from a headcount perspective? speak to customers if you can, understand, do they like the product? What do they like the product? What was life like before the product, after the product? I think the more you can do in the interview process, the better. But then if you're just starting, you've got the role, fantastic, congratulations, you're excited to start. Again, more research. What can you learn about the company before diving into the marketing strategy and execution? Once you have all of those things, I would focus in on like something pretty specific. We tend to boil the ocean or overthink it or bite off more than we can chew when it comes to a marketing role because often you're a T-shaped marketer. You're good at a number of different things and you have this bias of your previous role of all the things you achieve. But I think as marketers, we really overestimate what we can achieve in one quarter or in one year. So I would get very, very specific about what you think will make the most impact to the business. And then the other mistake I made early in my career was just treating the year as a 52-week marathon or a 52-week sprint even, even worse. And that is so terrible for you as a marketing person, not just as 
you know, human beings, we need rest, but also it will drain the creativity from you. It'll drain the joy you get out of your daily work as you collaborate with others. So I would focus, sprint towards a certain objective, maybe within your first quarter, and then learn from that sprint in terms of what did you achieve? Are there any mistakes, things that you want to do differently next time? Rest, ideally for a week or at least a long weekend, and then repeat. Find again, what is the specific area you want to focus on? You're going to sprint to achieve those objectives. You're going to learn and you're going to rest. That's the best advice I could give you as someone who's made you know, a lot of mistakes in their career in terms of focusing on the wrong things or going through the frustration of a business that, that doesn't grow as quickly as you would want it to. Of course, of course. So now, obviously, given the current economic climate, budgets are incredibly top of mind right now. So this is kind of a weird question, but what are some common myths you see around budgets? I think the most common myth I see around budgets is that you need a big budget to grow and that having a big budget is a really, really good thing. So some of my favorite companies, and especially in B2B, they have grown without a big budget. They're just creating content either through a podcast or talk show style every single week, getting their content out there, doing kind of like a live conversation Q&A style, which essentially costs nothing to produce. You're just getting people on a Zoom. You're doing some of the post-production work afterwards, and you can choose to invest more money there in terms of promoting and production quality, but you can do those things very efficiently cost-wise. So I, I think the biggest myth is you do not need a big budget to grow. And then I think focusing and being consistent will help you grow a lot faster than just throwing money at certain programs. Because when we're spending so much money on marketing programs, we're getting this kind of oftentimes false sense of growth. So you'll hear a lot of it if you talk to the people who are early in companies like Uber and Lyft and Uber Eats and DoorDash, where they're incentivizing growth. So they're throwing money to fuel this fire of growth. But then when you stop adding so much money, the growth metrics slow because people are signing up to be customers potentially for the wrong reasons. You know, if you're getting a 50% off coupon for Uber every time you need to go somewhere and then they stop giving you 50% off and the cost of that service doubles for you overnight, you may switch to another provider. You are not a loyal Uber customer. And then that will really hurt that company when they look at their cost to acquire a customer and their lifetime value. So that's happening, especially in enterprise where it's such a long game and the deal sizes are so big. And I think if you can get really, really strong on your fundamentals around growth, that you're acquiring customers because they genuinely like your product or they genuinely endorse your brand, I think that is the best way to grow. And I think you do not need a huge budget to be able to do that. Perfect. And now with budgetary parameters in mind, how can marketers work to deliver successful demand generation efforts at a lower cost? I think the first one that I would always go to, and it's going to be a common theme in this podcast, is really getting in touch with your customer. So 
I think you either need to speak to your customers, not just one customer, because you don't want it to be the exception, you want it to be the rule. So speaking to your customers, the different customer profiles, seeing if there are consistent patterns within industries or customer types, or if you have different product subsets to see if there are different levers that are driving growth there amongst your customers from their perspective and also any data in-house that you have to prove that. I think if you can use customers to guide your strategy, you will be successful and you're not going to waste a lot of money. If you don't have a huge number of customers that you can use for that purpose, you can also create these focus groups where you invite people who would be a lookalike of your ideal customer and ask those people for how do they react to, where do you get your new information from? How do you stay on top of trends? Do you go to trade shows? Do you listen to podcasts? Do you watch the Super Bowl? And would you watch a Super Bowl ad? Those types of things will really help you understand who your customers are, where they get their information from, and how to get their attention. The other things I would reinforce is being resourceful. So as a marketer, there's a lot of stuff you can do in-house. And I think perhaps we often bite off more than we can chew in terms of we're trying to do a huge number of different programs and be active on every channel when often we can actually just focus in on one specific channel and be really successful there and do a lot of that work in-house. The last thing I'll say is that I think we underestimate how long it takes for your message to resonate. So when you think of the biggest brands in the world, we've had to see them, hear about them, use them or wear them a number of times before you now you automatically identify, you know, a Nike or a Coca-Cola. But think about the early days of those brands. If you read Shoe Dog by Phil Knight, you'll understand how long it actually took a company like Nike to become successful. And that really puts it in perspective when we feel like in tech, brands are becoming successful overnight. It's really not the case. So be patient, be resourceful, and always speak to and listen to your customers. Perfect. And now for most of this podcast so far, we have focused on marketing and marketers. I mean, it is in our name, B2B Marketing Exchange Podcast. But I would like to shift gears again to the role that sales teams play in demand generation efforts. And if you have any advice to help bridge alignment between sales and marketing. This is one of my favorite topics. I think because earlier in my career, I've worked on marketing teams that didn't have the best relationship with sales. And I've often felt when I was a junior marketer that I didn't want to bother the sales team or I didn't want to take them away from selling, especially when it comes to speaking to some of the most successful sales reps. But now I believe the opposite is true. So the most successful sales reps, although they are very busy, marketers need to speak with them because we need to understand what success looks like from their perspective so that we can play a role in that engagement. So being aligned on your success metrics, like I mentioned earlier in the podcast, this MQL model does not work anymore. This lead gen model of we're going to run some program and, and generate a huge list and the sales team is just going to go and call all of these people and get deals and win business. It does not work like that anymore. 
my marketing team, the, the team that I'm part of, we are focused fully on sourcing opportunities in partnership with our sales team. We base success on opportunity sourced, pipeline generated, and then close one revenue, as well as customer retention and renewals. So we're very, very clear across the company what success looks like. We have the same goals. And then we spend time together. So I am based in London and I work, I share the same office with the sales rep for the UK and Ireland. And then I get to meet many of our sales reps who are around Europe and in North America at different conferences and trade shows. And I think just asking them for genuine feedback, you know, what's your pulse on the state of the business right now? What's your pulse on prospects that you're speaking with or customers that you're speaking with? And I think at the end of the day, you want to hire marketing and salespeople that can speak the same language, that will be invested in one another's success. I think the worst case scenario is that you have a marketing and sales team that don't like one another, they don't respect one another, they don't believe that the work that they're doing is valuable and they're maybe being very critical of one another. Um, I now work on a sales team where I genuinely want my sales people to be successful and, and they really appreciate marketing and, and we meet in the middle. It, it doesn't mean that we do absolutely everything our sales team asks for. They respect that we come to the table as advisors in terms of what we think works best and then bringing in the customer angle as well. We can meet in the middle to make sure that marketing and sales are working successfully together. Perfect. And now we always love to ask our guests about some of the current trends that they're seeing in the industry. So where do you see the future of the industry going? What's hot right now? What's trending? Give me all the good stuff. I think, I mean, there's a lot to discuss. I feel like we could spend the whole podcast here. The last few years, I think, was the kind of rise of of automation and software, MarTech, that would really help sales and marketing teams do their jobs much more efficiently. And some of those things have been really beneficial. But I think the industry has gotten a little bit out of control in a sense where marketing and salespeople can just bring in tons and tons of tech, thinking that it's really going to help them grow their pipeline and their revenue, when in reality, it often slows us down, makes things more complicated. You're spending so much time implementing tech and and trying to get value out of it. And then your renewal comes around and you're in discussions around that. And you're also trying to justify internally why, why you're spending so much on tech. So I think the key trend that we're going to see is that marketing is going back to basics. And, you know, many of the, the best marketing books by, you know, Ogilvy on advertising or like, again, Shoe Dog with Phil Knight and anyone who's watched those amazing marketing movies or shows like Mad Men. We need to remember that the fundamentals around good marketing the creativity aspect, people coming up with great ideas and experiences that their customers are going to love, using humor, like how can we bring some humor? You know, I work in cybersecurity, which is a very serious industry, but I'm often bringing up what are ideas where we can kind of poke some fun at, at you know, stereotypes or things that are going to make people in a very serious role laugh and see the lighter side of life. Also relationship building and inspiring emotion. So I'm responsible for the field marketing team at Hunters. And, you know, instead of mainly doing stereotypical buttoned up 
suit and tie type events, we've been doing, you know, we've been getting sweet playoff games. So we rented out a suite at the New York Rangers playoff game before the summer. And last week we brought one of our partners, our technology partners, we brought them to a go-karting event, which was based on a Formula One theme where we had, you know, it's kind of like drive to survive. So, so trying to make, trying to create really good experiences where people think, wow, you know, this is something that I want to attend. I, I want to actually spend my time going to this event, or I'm going to take that hour to listen to the podcast while I go for my walk. I think getting back to basics and focusing on good fundamentals is the theme that I see for the next few years. And I think we're also kind of being forced in this direction as the economy is kind of going back to basics in terms of the startups that are attractive right now and the companies that are attractive are those that can grow sustainably not those that need a huge investment in cash to be able to kind of stay afloat. So I think those two things will go hand in hand in the next few years. Absolutely. And now you are obviously speaking at our B2B sales and marketing exchange event in Boston in just a few short weeks. So I would love it if you could give us a little teaser preview of what your session holds. Yes, I'd love to. So the session I'm going to host is based on a viral LinkedIn post that I wrote a few months ago. So we had the first well over a year that I worked at Hunters, almost everyone was remote due to the pandemic. So we had our entire team meet in Miami for kind of a, a go-to-market kickoff. And on the flight back from Miami, I wrote this post, which was called hiring a marketing team to do lead generation is a huge mistake and kind of here's why. So many companies, they tend to bring in this, this type of rock star marketing leader and then they expect them to perform a miracle. They don't give them the headcount or the budget needed to grow, but yet they give them huge targets in terms of pipeline creation. And so then they feel forced to do lead generation, you know, they ask them, where are the leads? So the marketing leader in that instance is forced to turn to lead generation. And the problem with leads is that we create leads and they might open opportunities, but those opportunities rarely ever close. And that way we're creating pipeline numbers and we're reporting those to our investors and our board of directors. And those numbers aren't really true because we don't have people coming to us who genuinely want to evaluate and buy our solution. What we have is people who have been forced into a marketing funnel using these kind of tactics that are forceful and company-centric rather than they're not doing what's good for the customer. So that then sales teams, they waste time on people who don't have any intent to buy. So those opportunities often go close lost Sales teams don't hit their number. And then when we look at the cost to acquire customers, they're off the Richter scale. So I'm going to talk about this concept of lead generation and, and why it's not a good approach for marketing teams or sales teams. And I'm going to talk about the alternative, which is creating demand and what's involved in creating demand. And also as a marketing person, how you can 
evaluate a company during your interview process or when you just start there at the beginning. And you can look out for these red flags that will indicate that that company might not be aligned on the vision for marketing and sales that you would want. So that's a quick kind of teaser of the session. And I'm really looking forward to presenting it next month. Absolutely. I can't wait to hear it. And I'm just in general, so excited to go back and in person and see everyone. So now with that in mind, how about you? What are you most looking forward to about attending our event in a few weeks? I think it's pretty similar. I, I haven't been to a marketing conference in I don't know how many years, like maybe three, three years at least since I've been to a marketing conference and, and also going to one in Boston, where there's such a strong community of B2B marketers and B2B salespeople. And this is where I started my career in tech. So I'm really looking forward to going to the event, meeting with people and and hearing how it's going for them. And I think in terms of the sessions, any of the sessions that can bring strategy, so give you strategic knowledge, as well as some tactical information that you can apply to your business, I think those sessions are extremely valuable and I, and I really look really look forward to the conference. Yes, us too. So I believe that is a wrap today. Sarah, thank you so, so much for joining us today. Thank you, Kelly. It's been a pleasure. Of course. All right, folks, that is our second speaker preview in the books. We still have so many other talented speakers on the hook for upcoming episodes. So make sure to subscribe to the podcast today on your podcast player of choice to stay in the loop as we approach the event. And of course, we would love to connect with you all on LinkedIn and Twitter, so reach out to us on there. And that is it for today. I will talk to you all next week.